Continuing on in verse 23, so Paul is giving Timothy a personal message. Maybe it's from the Lord right then. Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling him something. But he is to mix some wine with water for his problems of his digestive system. He's evidently had problems with that. So the alcohol would kill most of these things. Many younger ministers, and they would consider that up until about 35, would not touch strong drink to avoid drunkenness or not being able to be serious. So the scripture says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what he expected. Under the law, those 30 or 50, 30 to 50, as we said, they were forbidden to drink wine during their service. But That was so they could not get drunk. Remember, a few of them did, Aaron's sons, and was killed by the Lord. They were drinking and got drunk, and the Lord didn't appreciate it. So the Lord does not forbid drinking wine or beer or whatever, but he does condemn drunkenness. So if one cannot control it, then do not make provision for the flesh. Hebrews says, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. So if that's a person's weakness, and if a person was a drunk, he has no business being around alcohol and having it around him all the time in his home. He's to put up his guard because that's going to be a besetting sin if he's not careful, okay? Okay, verse 24 and 25, we'll read them together. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise, also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. So going back to the laying of hands and being appointed, we know that some people's gross sins and what they are, and you have no problem discerning this. Judgment is awaiting them. Others act as hypocrites or double-minded, and they can fool people for a while. False Christians can fool people. Remember, even Jesus said that sometimes you have to let the, the wheat and the tares grow together. But when they bring forth their fruit, then you'll be able to see the difference, and you'll keep the wheat, and you'll burn the tares. And that's what's going to happen. So many people profess Christianity. And in the gatherings, they come more so now because very few of them are Christians. And uh, there's no separate. Now they separate the true righteous ones and put them out. We're too controversial. We're not loving enough. We're not tolerating them like they think they should be tolerated. So we're sort of in the reverse situation, okay? But he says, when you do discern their errors and stuff, you remove them. Their lives and deeds will come and find them out. Be sure your sins shall find you out. So a person can be a hypocrite and double-minded, but if he's around spiritual Christians long enough, they're going to discern him, or the Lord's going to give them some information to get rid of them. But a lot of people can be fooled by these things. But the life will soon manifest itself. An evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. 
So the person may be doing stuff that appear to be good, but then you begin to see the motive of covetousness, selfishness, the person wanting to be popular, he wants to be a good teacher, he wants people to like him. You begin to discern the motive and the intent, and he's exposed. Uh-huh. Now, novices and baby Christians are fooled by a lot of things, and that's why they need to grow on the milk of the word so they can discern between good and evil. But if you stay with a person a while, and you're around them, and you're a spiritual Christian, you shouldn't be fooled. You'll see through this eventually. The Lord will give you wisdom. You'll discern what's going on, okay? And so the life will manifest itself. The Motives and the works will be shown as to be false or true. Let's go to chapter 6, verse 1. Now he's changing the subject, a controversial subject today people don't like to talk about because it's contrary to our Constitution and our freedoms. But let me tell you something. Governments are under God, and their systems doesn't mean he approves or disapproves. He don't care if a country has a democracy a dictatorship, a king, or whatever. If they maintain uh, righteous attitudes in society, if they punish evildoers and reward the people who are being morally good, that's what he expects. He never said they were going to be Christian, but he expects certain things from them. And that's what he expects, okay? And he allows things that we would not allow in certain nations. He puts up with things. Okay, doesn't mean it's his perfect will, but it doesn't mean he's against certain things. He permits them. And we're going to see now slavery was one of them. Regardless of what people say, you will not find one scripture in the New Testament that speaks directly against slavery or that tells slaves to run away and hide or rebel. You will not find that in scripture. You'll find the opposite. And so people will have to learn as a Christian You as an individual submit yourself to the Lord and your lot and providence is directed by him. And he has a different lot and providence for different people. And you're not to get out of it in an illegal way or a rebellious way, okay? And we'll see that it's going to be in conflict uh, with our civil rights. But God's law and principles supersede these earthly laws that are going to pass away. Okay, all who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our teaching will not be spoken against. So he's not recommending you to rebel and flee and people of the world and the governments will look at you and say, Christians are troublemakers, they're rioters. And God does not permit that, regardless of what people talk about protesting and doing all these things. They try to call into their Christian principles. They better go back to Scripture. He is not into this. If you can't move something by prayer, you need to keep your mouth shut. And in a democracy, when the majority of people get what they want, the majority of people are wicked and selfish and self-centered, and they want what they want. They're not interested in God's kingdom. So if any Christian is a slave, he or she is to be submissive and obedient, okay? There's a difference here. We'll go into it some other time. A Christian is to submit. That's an attitude. 
of humbleness. Submit to the governor. Submit to the. He doesn't always have to obey, but he may be punished by the government and his master. If you are a slave and you're told to go across the street and rob that house, you can disobey that. He may sell you. He may get rid of you. But if you're a Christian, you understand the principle. I can't go across the street and murder this person because my master tells me to. Submission is an attitude of respect and honor that we owe the government, we owe certain authorities, we owe the police forces. Don't talk about who the person is. It's the authority that they represent. And God said these are ministers of God. We know they're not Christians, but Paul says they're ministers of God. They are to uphold in general to keep civil things going on, to keep anarchy, keep down the murderer, the rapist. The government is supposed to put these people to death. People don't like that. He said they do not bear the sword in vain, the government. The sword, the Roman sword was for killing. It was not for spanking. So if you were a murderer or a violent person or a rebellious kidnapper, the government was supposed to put you to death. It still is. So God believes in capital punishment for the excessively wicked. Both covenants. And people who preach against it, they're false ministers, okay? So Christ never supported, or the apostles, disobedience, public disobedience, rioting, coming against authorities. He does not do this. Uh-huh. And like I say, in the Roman Empire, Christianity was a new religion, new to them. And it supported slavery, and people were expected to comply to the rules, over half of the citizens of Rome were always slaves. And never once did Paul or Peter tell them to run away and rebel and protest. Never once. And he's telling us what they should do. Well, people in our society, that's not the American way. That's true. Then the American way is going to hell. You'll uphold God's word. And if you put your laws and uh, your kingdom and your government above the Lord, you're not fit for his kingdom, okay? He makes it very plain. So Paul's speaking for the Lord, okay? And the reason is that our teaching, that those look at Christians and say they're not troublemakers. They're not rebellious. They don't decide on which laws they will obey and which laws they're not going to obey. See, these people understood slavery. Today, most Americans go to hell because they're independent. Yeah, but they don't understand they're slaves if they're a Christian. Paul said we're all slaves. He said if you are a slave to somebody else and a Christian, you're free before the Lord. He controls your life and providence. But if you have your freedom as a Christian, you're God's slave. And so if you have the freedom to do as you please and you don't submit to Christ, you're on your way to hell. Because everybody's either a slave to God or a slave to sin. That's how God looks at it, okay? And so we are to obey. Christ never supported rebellion or disobedience, neither did the apostles. He actually, Paul said, submit to authorities and obey them. And if you don't, you're coming against God. So there are certain things that we have to submit to in the societies that we live in. Now, the world runs the governments to a great degree and the devil. And we submit to many rules and regulations because all of them are not evil. They're to try to maintain order. So 
They can raise taxes and prosper. That's what most nations want, okay? And so we see uh, that they expected compliance. None of the apostles, elders, or Christians supported rebellion of slaves or anybody for that matter, okay? So we need to get back to what Scripture says, okay? And not worry too much about what people say. The Constitution of America and the Declaration of Independence do not supersede Scripture. Uh And we'll find out that our Constitution may say you have the right to pursue happiness. And God may say, and if you do, you'll go to hell. Because if you're trying to find your life and prosper without God's concern or will, where you're at, where's your liberty going to get you? It's a license to sin, and it'll get you in hell eventually. So we need to get back to the principle of who are we serving and who is our God. And he's a king and a monarch, and he'll tell you there are certain things you must do, or you cannot be his disciple, okay? So in God's way, he allows, and we live in a democracy. He allows dictatorship. He allows all forms of government. If they uphold order in society and punish evildoers, rapists, robbers, and such, murders and such, he allows governments to formulate customs. And as long as the custom isn't directly against a Christian deed, if the custom is to kill certain people, then obviously the Christian cannot do it. He suffers the consequences by his government. That's why the Christians were persecuted by Rome because they were one of the few religions along with Judaism that only believed in one God, and they believed in many gods, and they believed their Caesar was a god. And so if you didn't worship him, you were a traitor. So that's why they were persecuted. (laughs) It's an interesting thing uh, for the first couple hundred years to be a serious Christian in the Roman Empire could cost you your life. And then after Constantine became a Christian, so-called Christian, he was not a Christian, He had some kind of demonic vision that imitated God, and he commanded everybody in the empire to become a Christian. And so they did. But they kept their other religions. Well, you cannot be a Christian and keep other religions. And then during a 70-year period, in the beginning, you could be killed for being a true Christian. And 70 years later, you could be killed for not being a Christian, as far as the government was concerned. But their Christianity was false. And heretical. It was never true Christianity. So we're seeing uh, what happens, okay? So Christians, we're seeing, they're never told if they are a slave, they're never told to overthrow, rebel, they're told to submit, and that means to obey. And isn't it interesting? Go back. Now, in the first verse, he may or may not be talking about Christian masters. He said, they're worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine... So if you're a Christian slave, and you have a master, and even if he's not a Christian, you ought to obey him and do good, and be a good slave, so that they will not blaspheme Christianity, and say, they're rebellious people. God don't permit this. See, that's very hard when we've been raised in this freedom and independence, and a lot of Christians in America a so-called Christian, don't understand that they're slaves. And if they don't understand that, they don't have true Christianity. Paul said, you're bought with a price. You're bought, and you're not your own. 
And if you don't use your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit properly, God will destroy you. He makes it very plain. So God does not free people to license them to be happy and do as they please. If you come to the Lord, you have to commit yourself to follow him or you're not his. See, we've had a lot of false Christianity teachings, which are not true, okay? So the Christian slave were free before Christ, he said. What it meant was if he's following the Lord and the lot he has, God has it within his ability to, to have him freed later, and he did, and he may not. Are you willing to submit to God's providence and lot? Well, many people today can't do that. All their prayers is bless me and help me do what I want to do, which is find to true Christianity, okay? So he's able to change or give grace for whatever the lot is. We are not our own. Every Christian is a slave to Christ. Christian masters are slaves to Christ. So we're going to see this too, okay? Those who have believers as their master. Now, isn't that a something? It's saying a Christian can own another Christian. And the master can be a Christian. And he doesn't say, you got to free them now and give them their liberty. Well, they would say that today, but he didn't say that. He told them to submit to him. He said the Christian could own slaves. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that so much against our Constitution? So be it, okay? Some countries still have slavery. And it says, you must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren. Because they are brethren, and you may go to church with them, and you know in God's eyes, he's no respecter of persons. You're not to presume on him and disobey him. You still have God's command and duty to obey your master. Uh-huh. That's what he's telling them. And don't you take advantage of it. He has the right to free you. He has the right to give you liberties. But you have no right to insist on it or demand it. Wow, isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. He said, but you must serve them all the more because they are a Christian and they're supposed to be a good master, treat you right, feed you, take care of you, but he still owns you, okay? Because those who partake of the benefit, God says it's a benefit that he gives the Christian masters to allow them to own you. So your duty as wives' duties are supposed to be to their husbands. Well, there's a many a woman that professes to be Christian is not going to heaven because Paul said, obey your husbands in all things. It didn't say you're equal to him. It didn't say you're co-workers with him. And as far as authority, he's the leader and the boss. And they try to get around that. God calls it rebellion. Uh-huh. And many of these women are not going to make it into the kingdom because they've not understood God's authority and what he expects. And many men that let their wives rule them are going to the same hell for not taking up what God expects them to do. Well, nowadays, of course, it causes a lot more trouble because we teach everybody's equal and independent, not before God when it comes to authority, only as an individual. A Christian slave 
and a, a leader that's a Christian are equal as far as being the children of God, but they have different responsibilities and power and offices, and God expects them to abide in their calling. It said, abide, Paul said, in the calling wherewith you were called. So if you were a slave and got saved, then you're to serve the Lord as a slave until he sees fit to remove it or not. If you're free, then you serve the Lord. Whatever your state was, unless God changes it, you abide in God's lot and providence. Well, people can't do that. They're always seeking to get out, aren't they? They don't like where they're planted. They want something better. It proves it's a rebellious spirit and a selfish nature that's not willing to submit to God's will, which may be in conflict with your will. See? They don't like that because they've been brainwashed into a lot of humanity and rules of nature that God didn't set up. Man did it. And man's always fouling up things when it comes to God. Okay. Because those who partake of the benefit, your Christian masters, are believers and they're beloved. They're beloved of God. And God is telling the Christian slave, you do right to him because he's mine too. And I placed you here. And unless I move him to free you, you better obey him or you're in rebellion as you're to obey the civil authorities. Told him that too, didn't he? Uh huh. And now we'll get into something that shows you that a lot of people are going to dispute this. And Paul's going to call them false Christians. He's going to mince no words with them. Okay. By his terminology, he's going to tell them, uh huh. So God is able to change our lot and attitude and place. But if you're not submitted to the Lord and you're not willing to do it, then you're on your own. You're not the Lord's, okay? Christian masters are slaves to Christ. They have to answer to him. Christian slaves, they're free before the Lord. It means they have the knowledge that God's capable of running my life and changing it if he sees fit, but he's not changing it to suit me. I've given up my life to follow him. I take up the cross daily. I don't own myself. The master owns me, so he can appoint where he wants me, and I better submit to it if I want to follow the Lord, okay? One of Satan's first sins Lucifer he was, the highest of the angelic beings, most likely. His name meant light bearer. He bore the glory of light of God in a way other angels did not. Says his musical abilities, his wisdom was perfect in the day he was created. And then somewhere along the line, he come up with his five I wills. And one of them, he said, I will set my throne next to the sides of the north. That's where God's full power was manifested. But see, the mistake was, he said, I will. He wasn't the light bearer now. He wanted to be a light. See, he wanted to be independent of God. That was his sin. He wasn't made for that. He was made to be a light bearer, to serve the Lord, and to do what God wanted. But he decided he wanted to be a God, okay? So he tells us what he's going to do. And after this test went on for how many weeks, months, years, we don't know, 
and they failed, one-third of the angels. They were cast out of heaven, and he became the prince of darkness and evil. His wisdom was corrupted. Everything of holiness and goodness was removed. They're in chains of darkness. They're not peaceful. They wander. Something in there was taken from them. And now they see it, but they're evil and spiteful and malice, and they cannot repent. They have no desire. They are what they are. They experience the best of God. He has nothing else to offer them. They rebelled against it. So he did not make provision to save the fallen angels, and he's not going to. Okay, But he did for man. Okay, And there's reasons for that. Okay. So men, regardless of your false Calvinistic teachers, man is not totally depraved. If he was totally depraved, he could not be saved ever. He could not follow the Lord. He would have no will. And God is not a irresistible grace and doesn't force anybody to do anything. Mm-hmm. So we can have sin in our nature, and we can have faults and sins in our life, but we have abilities to come to the Lord or reject him. We've been given things that the fallen angels are not given. Okay, He wishes to redeem us. He made provisions immediately and covered them with skins by killing, shedding blood. He was showing the plan of salvation went into effect immediately. It is God's will that no one perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. God has not predestined anybody to hell before they're born. That's a demonic teaching, and these people are going to hell for teaching that. I can say that with assurance, okay? And so he became the prince of darkness. We know what his great sin was? His great sin, oh, he had pride and independence. That was his great sin. He wanted to be independent like everybody does. See, everybody in their carnal nature, they want to be boss. They want to run their own life. They want freedom to do as they please. They want a license to sin. They call that liberty. That's Calvinism. Uh huh. License to sin. I have grace. Grace covers it all. I may lose rewards, but I'll make it to heaven. You'll make it to the lake of fire, and you'll be deceived. And Jesus said they'll stand speechless at the day of judgment. Their mouth's going to open when they see the truth, and that they're going to be hopeless and in misery in the lake of fire for eternity. That's why they got independence. So see, they wanted independence for their own sake, to live and find their own life to pursue happiness and prosperity. But that in itself is evil. God made man to serve him and to follow him. And if you're not going to do that, all of these other isms and governments are ultimately going to pass away and their rules and laws will not abide. But the word of God will abide and the kingdom of God will abide. So again, the Christian slave that has a Christian master He is not to take advantage of it and play on this and say, Master, you should free me because I'm a Christian. He has no grounds to ask for that, okay? And the Christian master could say, well, you know, I've thought about this, but you're rather unruly. You're rebellious. I think it's better you stay under authority than be out in the world anarchy and have the government put you to death for crimes. So you might have some wisdom there, 
Some people maybe were better off, okay? And so we see this. We've given submission, he expects, and told them, as with the wives, submit to your husbands and all things. Well, if you can't do that, he didn't say your husband is perfect. Uh, he didn't tell the women uh, that you can obey what you want to obey. Uh, he didn't say that you can counsel your husband or debate with him. Now, your husband can listen, and he can take your advice if he wants to, but he finally says, uh-uh, we're going to do it this way. You're to submit, and if you don't, you're in rebellion, and you're in disobedience to Christ, and you know where that's going to lead eventually. So, see, that's a hard saying, isn't it? So women, in a sense, are slaves to their Christian husband. They have to obey in all things. That's what a slave does. He obeys in all things. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He told his disciples, if you do not do what I tell you, if you do not obey me, don't call me Lord, because I'm not your Lord. Your Lord is the devil and yourself, because you refuse to obey me. And you can't pick and choose what you want to obey and what you don't want to obey. See, you haven't understood the corrupt nature of man and what God expects of true Christians, okay? I didn't say everybody was going to like or agree this, but I'm telling you what's going to happen. So God orders authorities in government, home, and churches. And you are not your own, Paul said. You belong to Christ. And wherever your lot places you. And Christ again said, don't call me Lord if you don't do what I tell you. Well, many people most uh, professing Christians, two billion of them, call Jesus Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. I was never your Lord. Your master was the devil, and your self-life, that's who your master was. That's what he's going to tell them before he cast them into the lake of fire, okay? So Christian slaves obey your Christian masters better than you would your non-Christian masters. Now, your non-Christian masters can have you tortured and in certain cases put to death by disobeying them or something because he don't like you anymore. He can sell you. Well, a Christian slave would understand if he had a Christian master, his Christian master couldn't do that because he'd have to answer to the Lord. He has to be just and deal with you right and justly. And he's not to punish you for no reason. And he's not to deal with you from selfish purposes. So a good Christian master should treat you well like your parents should have. That's what he's saying, okay? So we must get to Christian duty and obedience for it's Christ's will to do these things. Okay, and as Paul said, and I can say, if you don't like what's said and you don't agree with it, then be ignorant. Paul ain't gonna change his mind. Christ ain't gonna change his mind. And you can rebel against it all you want, and you know where your end's going to be. Uh -huh. So you better get back to the Word of God. And even Peter said many things that Paul teaches, he said, are hard to understand. And if you're untaught, you'll start twisting it and say, well, he can't mean that. Yes, he does. And it's because you're spiritually ignorant. You don't know what God expects. You think God loves me and wants to prosper me and make me happy all day long. Well, you've been deceived by the false prosperity people and the faith people. A lot of them are hypocrites, covetous, greedy. Yeah, but you've been lied to. 
And that's a shame. But most of the time you want him to be lied to because you like that kind of life. You think you can have heaven and salvation and live your own life here. You've been deceived and you'll find that out when it's too late, okay? So he says clearly, okay, down to verse two. Now listen to this. But must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit, the Christian master, are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. If you don't, you're a false teacher. You're a false shepherd. You're a false elder and overseer. Because he's telling you apostolic teaching. He's not saying this is my opinion. He's saying this is from the Lord. Okay? So people need to understand that. Teach and preach these things. No speaking of rebellion, of running away, of trying to get out of your duty to Christ or his appointed authority. Christ can change our lot. And if not, you're better off staying in God's position where he placed you. If not, you are rebellious. You may get your freedom and your license to sin, but you may end up in hell. Okay? Makes it very plain for these people. Mm-hmm. Verse 3, they need to read this one too. And I have to add here, a lot of, the, when I say civil rights, I don't mean just black people. All the civil rights movements in various places, they were propagating equality for every man, and, and that's good in many principles. But many of their leaders were immoral, fornicators, adulterers. Do you think they're in heaven? No. See, what is highly esteemed among men, the great people of the world, God's going to send them to hell because an evil tree cannot bring forth good. They do this for their own glory and their own independence. They preach things that they don't understand. They like the attention. They think everybody ought to, but see, they didn't consult God on these things. And many of the well-known ones, and I can mention them, you know them, they were fornicators and adulterers everywhere they went. But they teached in people's civil rights and freedom. But do you think they're going to make it into the kingdom? They're not. No fornicator, no adulterer, the scripture says, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. We're not talking about a one-time act. We're talking about a lifestyle of many of these presidents and well-known people who have outwardly moral character, but when you examine their lives, you see there's evil, gross sin. But they think these other duties and and laws they make are going to excuse them, and God's going to sort of weigh it. He ain't. Uh Uh-uh. He's not going to look at them as good. Uh-huh. They're thinking that good's going to outweigh their bad. Uh-uh. James says if you offend and break the law on one point, so say you do everything right and you give millions to people and you feed them and you make laws that are helpful to people, but if you're living in adultery, you've broken the whole law. It means you're not going to be excused. You're not going to be excused. That one sin, gross sin, will send you to hell if you live that way and make that your lifestyle. And Paul names 18, 20 sin, and he said, I've told you this before, and don't let anyone lie to you or deceive you. If you practice these things, if they're your lifestyle and habit, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That means you will not go to heaven. He makes it very plain. He says, you will not go to heaven. 
And then he won he mentions if you hate your brother, John says, your Christian brother, and, and you don't forgive when he asks you to forgive him and stuff, and you hate him. John says you are a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He's already told you you're not gonna make it. So you better live right and forgive other Christians when they're wrong. Oh, you can rebuke them. See, people are cowards. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. He didn't say you have to be nice. He said you can be sharp with him. Paul said he was going to punish many of them when he came. He said, I'll give you a choice. Shall I come with sharpness or with loving kindness? If you haven't dealt with the things I've talked about, I'm going to punish you. You made it very plain. I'm going to use my apostolic authority and turn some of you over for diseases and sickness that perhaps you'll repent. And if you don't, you won't make it into the kingdom. So they were very sharp with people when it, when it was necessary. Okay? So going on, if anyone, what is that word? Anyone, any teacher, any overseer, anybody, apostle, anybody, advocates, promotes a different teaching and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine, the teaching that conforms to godliness, he's going to tell you something in verse 4. We'll come back to it, but let's deal with verse 3 first. If anyone teaches a different teaching, he's against sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the teachings, and he will not conform to godliness. That's what God considers. So modern day uh, democracies and freedoms are not necessarily God's will for people and for Christians in various cases. So much of their modern teachings are not always Christian teaching. The right to pursue happiness and prosperity may be American constitutional right didn't necessarily, it was Jesus' right, because he said, no, your right is to submit to me. It's not to be independent of me. It's not to find your life and do as you please. Uh-huh. Okay? So we got to get our priorities right. Okay? God said, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Well, that's why many professing Christians are on their way to hell. They are not satisfied. They're discontent. They will not accept their lot. They will accept their state and life, their finances, or any other thing. Godliness for contentment is a great... See, why are they content? Because they truly understand God's will for them, and they find it. And then once they find it, they can submit to it, and they can get grace. Let us stop here. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Help us to apply your word in the time and generation that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.